0: blood talk radio i Joyner, your host, with Betrayed by Hospice, with our producer, Marty Oakley. I do these shows to warn people about the dangers of hospice because my mom was a victim and was murdered by a hospice in Georgia in 2017, and I don't want anybody else to go through the pain that our family went through. My reason is to warn unsuspecting people that hospice is no longer the organization that provides only compassionate care. Most hospices prey on the most vulnerable people, the elderly and the disabled. They show up at hospitals and miraculously know that a person has been in the hospital a couple or three times that year, and they tell the patient and the family, they go to them very concerned and say, you don't want to have to to keep coming back to the hospital when you need to help or go to your doctor's office. We can come to your home, provide you support, send in a nurse to check on your vitals provide assistance to the caregiver, bring you meals, do a little bit of light housekeeping. They make you think they are so concerned about you as a person that they want to help, and it won't cost you a dime. Why? Because they're going to be paid by Medicare and Medicaid, even if they're considered nonprofit. They are profiting from from people dying under their fake care. Providing medical care to the elderly is costly, and it is determined that these people are not considered viable to society. But to their family, most of their family, their value is we love them and we want them to live, and until it is their time to die, not be drugged, starved, dehydrated to a painful death. But again, it's cheaper to put them in a coma and euthanize them. I know it sounds horrible, but that is indeed what is happening today and has been for many years. Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen states, the refusal to take sides on great moral issues is in itself a decision. It is a silent acquiescence to evil. The tragedy of our time is that those who still believe in honesty lack fire and conviction, while those who believe in dishonesty are full of passionate conviction. Which will you choose to be? I've made my choice. I continue to talk out and let people know what's going on. Tonight, I don't believe I need an introduction for my co-host, Marty Oakley. Marty has been producing shows for over 12 years to educate the public about many issues that others do not want to talk about and they do not want our listeners to hear. Topics such as horses being abused, Dialysis, Guardianship of the Elderly and Disabled, and The Biggest Betrayal of the Health Care System, Hospice. Tonight, she joins me in discussing hospice criminal acts against our loved ones. In case anybody is under the impression that Marty receives a huge paycheck for producing these shows, let me dispel that. There is no paycheck for her or the host, and in fact, Marty pays for airtime on her own Because it is that important to her To get the truth out So Marty Chime in here with me And let's get busy talking We've got lots of topics to go over
1: Yes we do Yes we do Uh, I think that is uh, There's so many of us out here Marcia There's other shows you know That are covering the topics we do Um, I think the more voices the better It's really easy to Disparage someone if they're the only voice in the in the theater, if you know what I'm saying, so I always welcome new shows, and other people you know i I guess on other people's shows, they come on mine, uh, just kind of help self promote each other, and then, of course, we depend on social media. We get regularly censored, wiped out, <laughs> you know kicked yeah. off the board. Right. Uh, you know they they don't want this out there. You're supposed to believe. That this whole system, this whole hospice thing, hospital doctor thing is, you know, all about humanity and taking care of people. And at one time it may have been to some degree, but when you look at the history of this entire sector, this, this whole healthcare sector, it has a really insidious history of things they have done to people while they experimented on them. Um, well, they did horrendous things to them to see what the outcome would be, why they tested medications and vaccines on them, and they don't care. They don't care whose life is ruined as long as it isn't theirs. And so, you know, when you're dealing with these kind of people, you have to expect the worst and anticipate it being even worse than that. Because usually what's behind all of this is something so ugly that it's hard for the average person to even grasp what you're talking about. And a lot of people, and I think you've found this too, Marsha, when faced with the truth, and we always come with documentation, The resource, not something off of somebody's blog or something somebody just said, but with actual documentation, they get really upset and I think the reason they do is the reason they become so angry is because now they're not safe in their little tidy hole anymore. They can't deny that it's true. They can't write you off as a conspiracy theorist. They can't, you know, call you any of these derogatory names, claim it's fake news and all the other jingos running out there. Um, they can't do that anymore and they become angry because once you are informed you have an obligation to do something, and they don't want that obligation.
0: No, you're right, and they do want to continue to hide and act like it isn't happening, and the medical records that we have from the individual people who have had this happen to them show the information. it. It's not yes. just their hearsay They have medical records They have doctors that have their comments on there They are real records And people yes. have been through it they, well, People the, run away They don't want to see They don't want to know And they want to pretend like it doesn't exist And that people are just grieving
1: Yes yeah. They'll lay it off to all kinds of things uh, the, Any Anything that will allow them To excuse themselves From having to stand up Having to speak out, um, anything that will excuse themselves from having to learn more, um, they they will do. They will attack you viciously. They will attack the people who brought the story to you. Um, they will do all kinds of things. And of course, the ultimate is it, which is falling on its face because it backfired on them so badly was uh, the fake news. Oh, that's fake news. Everything, anybody put, oh, that's fake news. Fake news, uh, well, the fake news is on your TV. Now, anytime you need to get a fill up on that, just turn on the cable news stations. There's all the fake news there that you cannot possibly handle for a day. Um, You get all the news they want you to know just the way they want you to know it. And generally, you walk away not knowing anything. So people like you and I, um, Tanya, uh, Arlene, who does dialysis, uh, y- people like us. We we are different. We are different. We know the problems. We talk about the problems. We expose what's actually going on, and of course that upsets a lot of people. And uh, for those of you, you know what I have found, Marcia. It like in the guardianship issue, and I'm I was guilty of it myself. The first story I ever heard about it. With Sarah Harvey about her husband Gary. And I always tell everybody, if you don't like me being on there, blame Sarah Harvey. Because she's the one that got me off on this. Um, But, you know, oh, you must have done something wrong. Well, you must have misunderstood something. Well, you, and I, you know, we all find these excuses when we don't want to face something. But these same people, Marsha when they get hit with this stuff and eventually they do on one level whether it's hospice it's guardianship dialysis you know public corruption whatever it is they're the first ones to come screaming at you at the top of their lungs acting like you didn't warn them and what am I going to do me about what's happening to them mm-hmm.
0: i take care of it for me
1: yeah Yeah, fix this for me. And um, there's things we can do. There are things we can't, as you know. And the best we can do is try to warn people. You listen or don't, it's up to you. Uh, But that's the best we can do. And try to motivate people to get up and fight back. And fighting back does not mean picking up a gun or doing anything stupid like that. But to confront the people doing this that set this into place and get it stopped. uh, Well,
0: and the other thing I think that is incredibly important is if you have the opportunity to be listening to these shows or any of the other ones, do the research and don't wait until you're in a situation where yourself or your loved one is in a hospital when hospice comes marching in to give you a candy store and say how great we are do you research now and we provide lots of links that we can give you people's names organizations that you can go to to get legal counsel there you know I mean there are a lot of them but if you don't listen and you don't know and you don't share the information then people remain ignorant
1: well, and, and you're do. right
0: if you tell somebody if you tell somebody this is what happened then, you know, uh, some people will say, well, it's hospice. What did you expect? Well, I didn't expect them to murder my mother. And right. when they say it's hospice, obviously they were dying, and that's what they do. Everybody mm-hmm. that goes into hospice is not terminally ill.
1: Right. And that, right. people
0: don't seem to understand that. There are, you know, eligibilities to get in, but because you have COPD or congestive heart failure, Or you know Dementia That does not mean that you need to die That you're going to die within six months A lot of those can be treated with medications And they are treated But if you don't know that When somebody walks into the hospital And tells you I'm here to help You're going to assume that they're being compassionate Especially if you hear the word hospice And you don't know what we know
1: Right And you know I think Probably one of the most dark-hearted things that was done uh, to the to the country in the last 20 years was when the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare as it's commonly known, was passed. Now, in it, Hospice got that 11.5 billion dollar infusion of cash to go from being the Good Samaritan, which they were known for. That was their brand, and and they were 20 years ago, prior to 20 years ago. They were a, a help to families. They were a comfort to the people who were dying. Um, they, We had experience in my family with them myself at that time, and um, they were just indispensable. And uh, But that changed, and this was what um, Sarah Palin, and I even hate to say her name out loud. She's such a bimbo, um, but when she talked about death yeah, panels, this <laughs> – this is what she was actually talking about. And now we're seeing this. Uh, she was talking about this decision by people outside of the family, mm-hmm. making the decision that your loved one wasn't worthy of going on with life anymore, so uh, we're going to pull the plug. Do you know the interview you did with Dr. Orient uh, last week? Was it last week the week before? And, um, the week before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, and she was oh she was such a wonderful guest, but when she talked about them now viewing food and water as medical treatment, that's not medical treatment that is a life sustaining thing that we all need
0: it's oxygen. but now they,
1: yes that they, they, this is now viewed as medical treatment, so when they call futility of care and stop all medical treatment, they immediately stop food and hydration. And like she said, three days without water and you're in trouble. And right. um so and what they do is they they tell the family these these <laughs> terrible excuses for why the person is deteriorating the way they are. They've withheld food and water and when you say, you know, well can we give them a drink? Why don't and like Doctor Orion said, why not run a, a line, you know, and hydrate them? You know, well, no, we can't do that. So you you can't give them anything because they're it'll it'll collect in their lungs. They forgot how to swallow. They didn't forget how to swallow. You drugged them up so bad that they can't. They can't. So even well, at well, that they point, can't. if that were that were true, Marsha, why aren't they running a line for hydration? This is a simple thing.
0: Well, well, they don't they mind coming it? in with an injection because at that point they can't swallow. They can't take their regular medicine for congestive heart failure or mm-hmm. for liver failure or, you know, renal. They can't continue to take any medication or, goodness, just their regular vitamins. They can't take that, but they can certainly make sure that they get in the Ativan, the morphine, the fentanyl, the
1: serotonin Oh, yes.
0: They're yep. certainly going to get that into them.
1: Yes, and and I think that uh, when I saw the description uh, of what happens to people who are deprived of water, what actually happens in the body, and this hardening of the tongue and esophagus, and the swelling, and which has got to be painful, and and the esophagus actually swells shut. That's why they can't swallow. But like I say, if you ran a line for hydration. Stop the drugging. That would stop. But see, they tell people, "Oh, they they for, they forgot how to swallow because they have dementia." What? And you know, it's so stupid on its face. Yet they deliver these lines as if it came from the mouth of God, and you should just believe that. But, but I, do. I still,
0: yes, but I still in go most back cases, to, well i was just gonna say most pace, cases people believe that is true because you're still under this illusion that hospice is compassionate they care about you and they yep. know what they're talking about they give you a book a pamphlet when you're in there you start reading that and it shows you the signs of dying mm-hmm. and the signs of dying are what your loved one is experiencing and yes. you don't know any different, even though, right. th- yes, they are signs of dying, but it's because they're drugging them, they're putting them into a coma, they're not having food or hydration. And they are dying, but not yes. because they're dying of a disease.
1: Right. They're dying because of what they are doing to them or withholding from them. And right. this, the idea, Marcia in all of this, whether it's guardianship, hospice, dialysis, whatever it is, I am becoming more concerned by the day of the number of people from these establishments, the hospital, hospice, dialysis, guardianship, who are willing to participate knowingly in the ending of someone else's life and the suffering they are causing. And it's like many of them actually take pleasure in it. I am becoming afraid of the number of these if I don't know if they're sociopaths if they're psychopaths what they are but where did all of these people come from these are this is like a predator race and mm-hmm. they how how in the world do you go to work every day and know that you are going to cause so much pain and misery and ultimately take someone else's life And collect a paycheck and go home with the excuse that, well, I've got a family to take care of. We all do. But I'm not going to kill you to do it. You know, I'll go scrub floors, mop toilets and floors. I don't care.
0: But I'm not going to harm someone else. Right. To do it. But Where did they come from? Well, but you know where they came from. Because... Even the indoctrination, the seminar that you went to, you know, years ago, you know, for hospice volunteer just to kind of see what was going on. So you know they're indoctrinated in believing this. And I think in some cases, I think they believe they are doing a good thing and that when the the patient cries or moans because of what they've already done to them, right? Then they give Mm -hmm. them more morphine so that supposedly they're going to end the pain. But just giving somebody morphine is not ending their pain because you're creating so much pain because of the dehydration and they cry out and they give them more Ativan so they can't cry. And then you give them more morphine if they do. And Uh it's just cyclical and it, it is sickening that, they either believe they're doing the right thing or they are sociopaths
1: exactly I'm, well and the thing the thing is with that morphine what morphine does in these large doses is it starts shutting the lungs down so that they can't inflate and deflate inflate on a reflexive basis like they would just like swallowing it does the same thing to the lungs so um this is what happened that that orientation you talked about I went to it's when they first made were making the changes to hospice, and I was curious of what exactly this would have why were they getting all this money? I couldn't see the government doing this you know being this magnanimous and providing you know this kind of thing to anyone uh you know, without there being a catch, just knowing what I do about government. And so I drove all the way to the Twin Cities for this uh, orientation. And I thought if this turns out to be a good deal, I'd like to be a hospice worker. You know, I'd like to be somebody who went in and just, you know, comforted people, helped with whatever I could and so on. And I listened to all of this for more than an hour. And then the registered nurse that was conducting the orientation said um, she said what you have to understand is we are spending an inordinate amount on health care on the elderly when there's really no hope that they will get better, and you know it's a we're doing a disservice to them and to families and she went on and I thought, where is this going and she said um, uh, what what we do is she said we we They were talking about removing food and hydration, and she said, and we give them drugs to ease their pain, and she said, keep them comfortable while they go through this process, but I'm listening to this whole conversation, and I'm thinking, my God, they're talking about premeditated murder, and I started getting angry. And she said, and then she said, eventually, we have to give the shot that will bring everything to a finale. And she said, you know, and give everyone relief, including the patient. And at that point, I stood up and I said, excuse me, but why don't you just go in and put a 38 in their head? And she said, what? I said, just go in and hit them with a the 38 and get it over with. I said, you're going to kill them anyway. That's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I said, I can't do this. I can't be a part of this. And it was, but all of this whole thing was about, well, how to talk to the family, remind them that this isn't, this isn't fair. You know, you don't want them to suffer. Do you? Do you? You know, we can, we can relieve that. We don't, you don't want them to suffer. And at the same time. That with the patient, to tell the patient you've had a long life, don't put your family through this. You know, don't don't make them go through this and make them watch you suffer. I thought, oh, my God, this is sick. This is just sick. When I got to reading through the Affordable Care Act and I printed off what ended up being close to 3,000 pages and got to, finally dug through this monstrosity and found this part. And what they talked about was uh, as we age, when you hit 60, the amount of health care dollars available and types of care available to you start being reduced down to about 80% of what everybody younger than you can get. When you hit 70, now only about 30% of what might be available to someone younger like below 60, might have available to them. This is all based on a risk score. And what they do is they have this questionnaire that each answer has a numerical value. But the main question in it is, is, if we invest in either curing or uh, basically handling, managing your health care and prolonging your life – Can you contribute enough back to society to repay them for the investment in your health? Yes or no? Guess what the answer always is?
0: Well, it's going to be no. By that time, you're not working.
1: Yes. And so based on that, that's where they came up with the uh, doctor calling for futility of care. You can't – us getting you better or putting your disease in remission or just managing your disease, whatever it is, um, is going to cost more than what you can repay us for. So on based on that, you're not going to get anything. And this gave these doctors the right to call for futility of care. Once that determination is made, then you can be put into hospice or all medications, any medical care at all, except for palliative, in other words, what I think Ron Panzer titled uh, terminal sedation, begins. Mm -hmm. And they are at that point in the process of ending your life because you, you aren't worth saving. You're not worth saving. And when I realized what I was actually reading and what the intent of this was, I thought, oh, God, this can't happen. This can't happen. And, Marcia, what I did was I called several churches. And I said, I've got it right here. And they said, this is what they're going to do. This is what hospice is going to convert to. And, you know, you've got many people in your congregations, your parish, that are going to be affected by this. And we need to coalesce and speak out against this. Oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. Not one church. Not one would stand up and denounce this, and I have yet to see one to this day who has stood up. And all these ones, these churches that talk about they're pro-life and they're this and they're that, and um, but you get try to get them to stand up and speak out against this, they won't say a word, not a word.
0: And a lot of other congregation are the elderly people.
1: Yes. Yes, but and they'll all, it's gonna while they're, him. while they're all going through this, Marcia, they still want their donation. In fact, up here at the Lutheran church, actually sues estates for past due, um, what do you call it, uh, tithe? where they give money? Yeah, their tithe, tithe or whatever it is. Yeah, that after they got ill, that didn't come in. So they want their money. Um, so this is what I'm saying. Well, I, yes. <laughs> please. I I yes. have such a hard time with this, and um, I I just don't understand it. They'll get up, but they and they'll always say, "Oh well, that that's political, and we can't." No, this is human life. This is this human is life. Human- this is yes, and this, this is, is about humanity. About you're supposed- life. Yes. And you're right. supposed to be. The 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 bearers of the torch for this. Why are you sitting there quiet? Well, we might lose our tax exempt status. What? What about your 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 member of your church here? They've been a member what twenty, thirty, forty years. Well, they've the, got family. The yeah. Yeah. So
0: this um kind of a segue into. Um, the Affordable Care Act and them, mm. you know, infusing $11 million into that. They now a billion. have billion, a billion with a B. $11 billion. Now yep. they have, um, they're trying to add additional money into create more hospices. But what yes. they say, it's called the Palliative Care and Hospice Education Training Act. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they'll they tell you that it is because they're trying to train people on how to give palliative care. Well, what does that mean? That means how do we kill people? And yes. And how do we do it quicker, better, and, you know, so that now many of us are talking up about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if part of their little portion there is to shut us down. Maybe that's why we've been having problems with blog talk. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe they've gotten to them. But. If people do not stand up and go to their congressmen and their senators and continue to say, no, no, we do not want this bill to be passed, because it will infuse money, and there will be many more hospices popping up, because this is a money-making business for these people. Oh,
1: yes, there is, yes.
0: per each um, hospice person that comes in, they are given an aggregate cap of $29,205, which usually mm-hmm. covers ar- around six months. But say that one person comes in and they only live 10 days, or somebody else comes in and is eight months, or somebody else is two months. It all works out to be the number of patients times that $29,000 figure. Yes. This is a lucrative business, and if you're not feeding them, you're not hydrating them. You're not giving them their medication, and all you're doing is giving them opioids and antipsychotics, and you don't have to worry about having really good nurses hanging around at, in the evening shift or during the day shift because if you walk down the halls, these people are in a coma, and mm-hmm. they're dying. And if you're going to their house, they're getting paid less money if you go to someone's house than if they are in – the facility and getting continuous care. Yes. But they so you can send anybody in there with them. That person doesn't even have to you know make 10 dollars an hour because you're going to make a lot of money for that and for the person that your patient. Right. So well, it's and that's just making, it, well, well, Marcia, just like you of s- these. Yeah, yeah
1: they're, they're, this is one of the uh, very cost efficient operation because you're not having to feed them or hydrate them you're, mm-hmm. you're providing minimal care at best you've got the like you say you've got them drugged up they're not doing anything they're in a coma they've
0: got a they've got a yeah. catheter in them so you don't have yep. to get up and take them to the bathroom you don't have yep. to give them a bath you don't have to do anything but just walk by wait. and stick another syringe and, into them
1: and wait and that's it and wait and yes it is actually sure a morgue for the living. Yep.
0: It, it is, It's horrible. And I'm sure that when in the case like my mom's, when we had my dad was there my sister was there and my niece was there and my two puppies were there, day in, day out, we did not leave mom's side. And I'm sure because we kept going to them and, you know, trying to, you know, we would take just a little bit of water and put it on her tongue and, you know, rub her throat to get her to try to drink. Of course, it did not take long till we weren't able to even do that. But I'm sure right. we were a thorn in their side. And yes. reading the medical records, they said daughters refused to leave the mother alone and let the medication work. They keep trying to stimulate her. Mm-hmm. They, won't let, they refuse to let us give her something for pain. They won't let us move her over. You know, We want to do a suppository, but they won't let us do that because they say that it will hurt and they won't mm-hmm. let us do it. But in other parts of the records, they say daughters refuse to let us give her pain medicine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we fought every way that we knew how, but we were ignorant. Brandy. I don't want our listeners to be ignorant. And I no. think if you've had it happen to you and you know it, I think it's like you said, it's an obligation to warn yes. other people not to go to this.
1: And to stand up and do something about it, um, that that part, too, about being there with her constantly. You have a right if you are family, if someone is in hospice or in the hospital, they cannot force you to leave. You can stay there 24 hours a day. They cannot force you to leave. And um, you have a right to stay there with them, look after them. And one of the things that they'll do right towards the end is after they've left this person lying on their back most times, they will come in and turn them on their side. Mm-hmm. The reason they do this is, is because it causes tremendous pain at this point. It also compromises their lungs, which makes their breathing much worse. And they say, we need to give them something for pain. But they caused it. They're ready to right. get that person out of there and so there there's little things that they do the other thing is to when they're going to load them up with a big bunch of this crap they'll ask you to leave the room because they're going to change the bed or they're going to do this or they're go- and they've actually got several syringes with them and they're going to it's it the amount of drugs they pump into these people to keep them quiet uh to to make matters worse is just astonishing. And I say, Marsha, where do these sick people come from? I know somebody had directed me at one point to a page on Facebook, and it was hospice nurses and just regular nurses that were on there talking, and they were laughing. And one of them mm-hmm. said, whenever one of them, these old people give me any trouble, I always say to them, you want to ride on the van? At a van. And at a van mm-hmm. is... Is a terrible, terrible, terrible drug. Something I found out, Marcia, in digging around. I found this out actually about a year and a half ago. When with elderly people, if they start showing signs of confusion and forgetfulness, and you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I do
0: that all the of time. In, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: the first thing you want to do is check their B12 levels. Because in most elderly people, it's critically low, and B12 injections will bring them up out of this. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to have a total recovery if they're actually moving into dementia, but a lot of times what is diagnosed as early onset dementia is actually a B12 deficiency, but they won't treat that. They'll give you drugs. I know.
0: And at that point, you're not getting anything.
1: Right. And yet the matters get worse. The memory gets worse. The confusion gets worse. And the doctor says, see, I told you they have dementia. And what they find out, and you can ask, did you, did you check the B12 levels? Well, that's not necessary. I would like their B12 level checked. Well, you don't want to waste money. Check their B12 level. Well, we did blood work, but we didn't check their B12 level. And virtually every time it is deficient, critically deficient. Well, you know, adding it now isn't going to make things any better. Yes, it will. Uh, it might be slow progress, but it'll be slow. It'll be progress. And so you get that B12 up, and like I say, this doesn't mean you're going to have a miraculous cure. It does not mean that. But it will cause an improvement. And what you think they're losing that is happening at a rapid, especially if what's happening and appears to be happening very rapidly, Mm -hmm. you know, like overnight, check that B12 level and don't use a pill. Don't give them a B12 pill because they only get about 20% of what's in that pill by the time it goes through their system. You want to use a sublingual, a liquid B12 and give it to them every day and things will improve like i say it's not a miracle cure mm-hmm. but a lot of times it is the underlying cause of what's beginning to happen so but
0: this is okay this is not necessarily someone that's in hospice at that point this is in general
1: this right? is in general but even in, in hospice they will not check the b12 level because no, well, um,
0: at that point their whole purpose is to hasten your death but with yes. that let me add that you have the right if you know and that's one thing you want to have power of attorney health power of attorney over your loved one whether it be your parent your husband your child or whatever there needs to be official documents drawn up and you don't have to go pay for them you can get a sample on the internet just do some research and have that notarized you know go down to your bank or somewhere have that notarized and you have the right to remove them from the drugs And if you yes. go in and you notice All of a sudden within 24 hours That your loved one you know, Find out what drugs are you giving them And you, they should tell you that Before they give it to them But they're not going to no. But when you find it out You need to do your research on it And, and we've got mm-hmm. tons of information On the drugs uh, not to take But you have the right to take them off of that And have them mm-hmm. instead of giving them morphine Oxycodone or, you know, give them Tylenol 3 if they're genuinely in pain. But most yeah. people do not need antipsychotic Ativan, right. Seroquel, and Haldol medicines. That is, They are not giving it to them because they're anxious. They're giving it to them so they can't talk, and it does exactly. render them. So you can tell them, take them off of the drugs, you know, we'll deal with the pain. You can have a move to a hospital to get fluid in their systems uh, to get an IV, you have the right to demand this, and you can take them out of hospice and say, "I want to. Rem- I decline hospice." Put it in writing, say it verbally, mm-hmm. have it recorded verbally. Get your loved one out if you feel that they are putting them into a coma and you know your loved one is not actively dying.
1: Right. I, I think one of the other really ho- horrendous parts of this is that at any point. That person in hospice, any doctor, this was underlined and bolted, any doctor, they can call a doctor in Egypt, can call for a DNR end-of-life that has never seen that patient, has no access to them, never will see them, hasn't seen their files. They just have to say yes, Um, DNR, do not resuscitate, Uh, cease all medical care, any doctor, any doctor. I had to read that probably 30 times before I, I my mind would accept that. And
0: but what if it, what if you have a medical power of attorney that says under no circumstances are you not to resuscitate me?
1: Yeah, well, if there if that's what they've got, uh, you know, in their living will, then that's the, that's their wish. That's their decision. Uh that isn't someone who doesn't know them, hasn't seen them or these disinterested hospice workers who get paid right. by the number of bodies they shoot through there every month um, that's a whole different thing if someone has in advance made that choice themselves that if you know I get to this point and I'm unconscious or I have a heart attack or you know whatever happens I'm not to be resuscitated let me go that's their choice marsha
0: well but the, it, you're right except that what happens is when you sign a DNR, they don't make any move whatsoever to bring you right. back. Right. So the problem is, you know, with me, I specifically state, I want you to do everything possible, bring me back. Because yeah. that way, you know, if your heart stops beating and, you know, they try to bring your heart back, if my heart stops beating, they're not going to get it back. I, it, You know, so I want to be <sighs> resuscitated if something yeah. happens. But if right. you sign a DNR, then you just put yourself in a position where you're saying it's okay. Go ahead, you can kill me, and yep. and they'll do that for them so should thrive, just because you lost weight or yeah. you know, for any reason. So personally, I recommend people not sign it, and. Let me say that if you are, there are circumstances where someone is dying from cancer or from a disease, they know they're dying, they are in a great deal of pain, they're, they, they are terminally ill, and they want something to keep them from being in pain. This is not what we're talking about. I I think that everybody has the right to say, you know, I know that my time is here. You know, I'm dying from cancer, and I want medication so that I don't feel pain. But you need to understand and your family understand that once they start giving you this morphine, and it doesn't mean you need to give give that person Ativan, but once you start getting the morphine, that they're not going to be able to talk, so go ahead and say your goodbyes now. That's a consensual I'm ready to go. That is not what we are discussing. We are discussing stealth, euthanasia. It's done in front of you under the guise of compassionate care, taking care of you. That's what we're discussing here. So I don't want anybody to think that we're saying, no, if you're dying of cancer, you shouldn't go in there. I'm not making that moral decision for anybody. We're talking about stealth, euthanasia, somebody who is not actively dying they are not terminal and you are hastening their death with horribly cruel drugs
1: and yeah, lying to I the have, family I have an email here somebody said um, basically calling us conspiracy theorists uh, and uh, here's the thing here uh, you can send all the ugly emails you want but you're you're talking out of the wrong end We we are mm-hmm. not saying don't help people who are in excruciating pain we know cancer can be extraordinarily painful, so can many other diseases. right. But what we are saying is, just because or even in the absence of these things, someone has gotten older than the government would like them to be, and has decided that they have no value left, and you have to if people have to understand that the population of this country and I'm not talking about any other country because the same way in many others. But in this country, we are viewed as commodities, as a government product, and we are bought, sold, and traded as products um, in the guardianship, uh, in the child custody cases uh, where they snatch these kids. And you know that's a whole other topic, but the same thing at work, the buying and selling of human beings. That's what we're talking about. As far as Correct. our government goes, they, Social Security have now retitled it and called it a federal entitlement to drive home to the public and people who are too ignorant to know the difference that this is not an entitlement. This was an investment program that continues and was doing quite well taking care of itself. And the people who were claimants with a case. Yes. Yes. Right. And I paid into that for more than fifty years. Now that is not an entitlement. That is a mm-hmm. return on my investment. And you hear people screaming Ponzi scheme. Oh, that's a Ponzi your insurance company is a Ponzi scheme. But you don't scream about that. But we invested in this. Just for this time in our lives To make sure we were not a burden On our families That we were not a burden on society That we had an investment building Over all those years of working That would allow us to continue to live Independently And with some level of comfort When we hit old age But our own government Now owes social security 4.5 trillion dollars in surplus funds and principal that they have stolen from us and used to wage these wars. Um, they've used it for other things. Obamacare, $716 billion taken from Medicare to get Obamacare up and running. And then another $17 billion to keep it going we are paying for all of this they have no way to pay it back they never intended to pay the money back and so the only other thing is to reduce benefits and reduce the number of beneficiaries and they are doing that through hospice at a rate
0: that is just staggering they are getting rid of of a Yes. You made a contract when you started working, and they said they would do this, and you said you would do this. And now they Mm -hmm. have taken those funds and dispersed them to people who've never paid them in and to all of the other things that you're talking about. Yes.
1: Yes. Right. And so they're trying to get rid of us. This is referred to, Marcia, as an intra-governmental debt. It means the government went into another department. And took that funding and any trust fund, and we have 11, but they exist in name only now. The fund itself is no longer there. With Social Security, the Johnson administration moved Social Security to the general fund so that he could fund the Vietnam War. And every president since then has used it like a big old slush bag, a big old slush fund. And they've taken our money and blown it mostly on wars. And but even like highway funding and trust fund and all of that, um, that money and our Social Security that we pay in goes directly into the IMF World Bank only as an identified revenue stream. There is no trust fund. And all of our Social Security is paid out of the IMF World Bank. We have a Treasury Department, which simply does the bookkeeping on how much got paid into the IMF World Bank and how much we drew out to pay our bills. Um, so this idea that there is some big fund sitting somewhere with Social Security written on it is a fallacy. But this is a, a, an intragovernmental debt that they have no intention and no way of paying back. So uh, here we are. Here we are. And right. and uh,
0: it's easier just to get, get rid yes. of the people who you have to pay it to. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, let me let me just jump off the cliff here, conspiracy theorist, which it is not, you know, to your, your person who wrote that in. We lived it. Yep. We've seen it. We know it's not. We're not the only people. Um, organ donation. That's mm. another one that is happening, and typically you would put on your driver's license, I do want to be... Or you would say, no, you know, I don't want to be an organ um, right. donate, donator. What is happening now, there is a big, huge push on organ harvesting. And yes. that's more of what they're calling it now. There is yes. an Anatomical Gift Act that yes. was uh, done in 1990s. It has now been revised in 2006. And because they are looking for organ tr- organ Organs to transplant, they now have decided that with the Anatomical Gift Act that if somebody is considered brain dead or they're dying and they have not expressly commented that they do not want to be an organ donor, they are considered that they do want that. And Mm -hmm. they do not have to notify your family about it. They can just go in and take your organs. And it is happening that people, when they wind up, You know, with the bodies And maybe they have an autopsy Because they suspect there was foul play And they are finding organs are missing From the individual people Yes It's not consensual No
1: And the other thing is Organs can only be harvested from a living human being Once that person dies And the organs are deprived of oxygen For any period of time They're worthless So we, uh, I can't remember if it was on your show, if it was on Arlene's show on dialysis. It was Dr.
0: Paul Byrne.
1: Byrne, talked about. Dr. uh, Paul
0: Byrne, neonatal. Yes.
1: Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he talked about the fact that these people are alive and they aren't given an anesthetic. They are given a paralytic so that they can't move or scream, but they are alive and they can feel everything as they begin dissecting them and removing their organs. And reading more about this, doctors talked about he seeing tears coming out of people's eyes as they were cut open. They are Mm -hmm. alive. They are taking organs from living human beings and then saying, oh, they died. Well, they were brain dead and they couldn't feel anything. Well, apparently they can. And then Dr. Burns explained about brain death and how that was a scam in and of itself also. Um, and that it was something that was created to facilitate this. And then New York, here uh, back about three, four months ago, um, the dialysis shows, you know, uh, we had one coming up on a Tuesday night. The next morning, Trump came out and signed an executive order on kidneys and uh, they, how they – there, he understood there was a shortage of kidneys, and he was going to make sure that there were more kidneys available through this executive order. And I thought, how are you going to do that? Then we find out that the state of New York is considering a bill, and I have to check and see if it passed, making everyone an organ donor, whether they want to be or not. And I thought, what? It, it, it's, where, oh. where is is you're right? Yeah, yeah. We, we and, were um,
0: about. Mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, and seeing on,
1: uh, yes, and the other thing is, on your driver's license, it asks if you want to be an organ donor, and you don't check it, you know, it just says, I want to be an organ donor, check if you I want to be an organ donor, but it doesn't have an option for you to say, no, I do not want to be an organ donor. And unless you ask for a special card, to fill out saying, I do not want to be an organ donor. You're considered to be an organ donor. And even though you didn't check the box, that said you wanted to.
0: Correct. And
1: it's Yeah. So and that's something else. You need to go to your DMV about that. Uh, check your well, license. No, it's
0: not. It, no, it's not the DMV, because the DMV is not going to help you. Um, if you go to um, Dr. Paul Burns, he's a neonatalist. I'm going to, Look up at his, uh, his website now. But at his website, they have a, If you first when you pull it up, it's going to come up and it's going to say, I want to be an organ donor or I don't, and the form is there. And that's where you need to fill that form out and okay. put it with your driver's okay. license and keep that with your driver's license.
1: Okay. And have
0: it um, notarized. I, I got mm-hmm. all of that stuff notar- notarized.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. And it's something I found out about notaries too. I didn't know this. Did you know an actual legal notary is your signature with your thumbprint next to it? That's an actual. Yes, that is the actual notary. That seal is considered a fiction, and that notarized statement can be discarded. But if your signature is on there with your thumbprint next to it, that is considered a legal notarized document because your, your thumbprint is unique to you. And um, I found that out here recently and I had no idea that that served as a legal notify notary. Huh,
0: that's and interesting.
1: Uh, yeah, so well, it's and I guess just, they, but,
0: they would know that that, I mean, you could yeah. put your thumbprint on there, whether you were alive or not. Um, this his website is www.lifeguardianfoundation.org. And okay. that is they have the document there that you can fill out that you keep with your driver's license that says, I do not want to be an organ donor. Um, the test you were talking about, if you're in, a motor, say, a motorcycle accident, and they determine that you're brain dead, they will run a test And it's called an apnea test, not to be confused with a sleep apnea test. But the apnea test actually cuts off oxygen from your brain for 10 minutes. And per Dr. Byrne, that will cause your brain to swell because of no oxygen. And then they can say, see, look, the brain is swelled. There is no activity and they just caused you a whole lot of problem, and then they can mm-hmm. convince the family that that person is brain dead, and we need to take their organs.
1: Oh well, wow. and there so, again, you have these people doing this. What, what doctor? You know, we were talking with Doctor Orient before the show last week, and you know, and talking about all that's that's going on, and I go back again to that meeting. We had it down here about six months ago uh, with all those elderly people. And I'm sitting there listening to people talking about being terrified of their doctors, being absolutely horrified at the thought of having to go to the hospital. And the main reason being that with their doctors, that their doctors mocked them, screamed at them, made fun of them. Uh, berated them for not wanting to take these medications that would cause more problems than they ever thought of fixing if they fixed anything, Um, that they were terrified of going in the hospital for fear they would never come home, Uh, that they knew too many people that went in for simple things and never returned home, and they find out later they're dead. And, Mm -hmm. you know, how did that happen? Um, But the idea that we have reached a point in time where we cannot trust our doctors. We cannot, and I have what I think is a very good doctor, but I cannot see her, I don't see her, but maybe twice a year, if she's lucky, every time she's trying to push these medications off on me that I don't want. I don't have high blood pressure, diabetes, any of that stuff. We need preventative. No, we don't. Oh, well, I just don't know what the home office is going to say. They're going to want to know why I didn't put you. I'm the home office isn't in control of my health care. I am. Mm-hmm. Right. You need to get over that. I don't care what they think. This isn't about them. It's about me. And I said, uh, you know, maybe you need to go out on your own unless, you know, this is okay with you. And, and we're seeing more doctors doing this, breaking away from these um, – uh cooperatives, if you want to call them that these centralized medical systems that they become a part of, and we we're seeing more of them breaking away because they don't want to and these are doctors I would go to, and they have all their prices posted for you to see on everything they discourage the use of medications that you don't need and mm-hmm. um you know, and these are the kind of doctors we need, but in general. What I heard in that meeting from those people, the idea that people would be afraid of having to go to the doctor. One woman said, she said, I I live in terror of getting really seriously ill because where would I go? Where they're going to help me. They're not going to help me. They're going to try and get rid of me. And I thought, oh, my God, how did we get here? How did we get here? Yes.
0: Uh, Yes. Sadly, she's right. And, yeah. you know, even Dr. Orient, when I was asking her, she's, you know, I said, is there a place that we can go and we can look and find doctors who are pro-life and don't want to harm their patient? They actually believe in the Hippocratic Oath. Sadly, no, there is not. No. I mean, no. You, you have to question your doctor and, you know, talk to them, find out if they're a pro-life doctor. If this happened, what would you do in this case? And right. the medications... I know my dad takes Lysartan, and there's been recalls on that five times in this year. And it's like, what? And it's because of the way that it's being manufactured in China. Why Mm -hmm. is China manufacturing our drugs and putting them together? Why are we doing that?
1: China is making most of our drugs, particularly if they are generic versions, because the pharmaceutical companies here um, won't – uh, they won't come down on their prices. We, we as Americans, are being gouged so badly on these medications. And when they were questioned about it, the response was, "Well, somebody has to pay for this." You know, we, we, they act like they footed the bill for developing the medication. They get a dollar for dollar tax credit for every dollar spent on research and development. They get a total write-off. What the hell did it cost you? Nothing. And yet Mm -hmm. you're making billions at statin drugs, which have caused massive numbers of heart attacks and strokes, especially in elderly people. They did this by lowering the cholesterol levels, and that's another thing I want to talk about here. Your brain needs cholesterol. It is bathed in cholesterol. It nourishes the brain. When you artificially reduce it to these these arbitrary levels, you're basically starving the brain, and you will see signs of dementia. That is your brain beginning to shrink and harden for lack of nourishment, which is cholesterol. So what did statin drugs do? They artificially reduced this cholesterol down, and who were we targeting first and foremost? Older people? That we said their cholesterol was too high and it should be down below 100. At that point, your brain is being starved to death. And this is, this is, and I got all this stuff from Johns Hopkins, the Mayo, uh, the University of Minnesota, um, the FDA at some point. I don't go to people's blogs and websites. Uh, I go to the people who know. Um, Here about two years ago, Marsha, as an example, Johns Hopkins came out with a report on cancer and it said that more than 2.2 million people in the last 10 years had been diagnosed with cancer that never had it. Most especially women with breast cancer. And that there was massive profits being made through chemotherapy and radiation, both known to cause cancer. Now, where is the logic? I want to know, where is the medical logic in someone you claim has cancer, even if they don't, of giving them two treatments that are so deadly they cause cancer? Money. Uh, and we, Yeah, money. Money. Money.
0: And that's, and that's the sad thing, that it is revolved around how much money can these people make. And there was that guy, in, um, and I believe he was in Texas, too, which was not the case um, of the Novus guy, but there was a guy in Texas that was telling people that they had cancer, they didn't mm-hmm. have cancer, and he was giving them medication for it. Some people died, and he gave them the... Um, chemo and radiation and for the patients that really did have cancer, he would only give them like one, um, I'm not real familiar with with the drugs, but, you know, one bag of or, or, you know, one portion of the chemo because he didn't want to do one and a half because he would have to open up another Thing and it was wasting So he would not give them as much as they needed While he was giving other people the treatment And they were getting sick and losing their hair And I mean horrible mm-hmm. things happening They didn't even have cancer
1: Right it, Right, And, and, and it's this happened is, Yes and there again go back to Medicare They keep talking about it's costing the country so. It, it didn't cost the country anything There again we funded We funded Medicare But the medical industry Is bilking it Annually out of somewhere between 30 to 60 billion dollars in unnecessary treatments, medications, padded bills, uh, services never rendered, but they claimed they did at 30 to 60 billion annually by these people that we are supposed to look at as some sort of uh, savior in the community. These doctors, the medical industry as a whole Mm -hmm. is doing this to us. This is what I say. We are treated as a commodity. Right. Something and we have to be
0: yep. – you have to research everything, and you have to verify you cannot trust what you're being told. Exactly. Um, the situation with Novus, the uh, Frisco, Texas case, between mm-hmm. July 2012 and September 2015, Novus billed Medicare and Medicaid more than $60 million for fraudulent hospice services.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And they were doing that, and they were putting people in who did not qualify to be put under hospice. And this was um, the doctor who was saying, um, the CEO, uh, CEO, wasn't the doctor, it was the CEO, Bradley Harris, and he was sending text to the nurses and saying, that person needs to go bye-bye.
1: Oh my God. In one
0: text, he said, I told this chick if she would just give her one milliliter of Ativan and turn her, she would die. Yep. Another text, an explicit curse word, uh, the woman is still alive. I need some boots on the ground. After a patient oh, died, Lord. he texts, nice work. Another text, you need to make this patient go bye bye. At least four occasions, the affidavit says, Harris instructed nurses to administer overdoses to patients who had been on hospice care for too long. In one incident, he allegedly texted a nurse to dispatch a lingerer by increasing the patient's medication dosage to approximately four times the maximum allowed. Oh, my God. So it's, I mean, this goes on. This is not conspiracy. That case yeah. will go to trial in. The spring of 2020. Um, the other, the other case, Dr. Hustle in Columbus, Ohio, at Mount Carmel Health System, is charged with killing 25 patients with overdoses of fentanyl, and it wasn't considered an overdose. The, the dose was between 500 and 2,000 micrograms. The fentanyl is a hundred times stronger. Than morphine, 50 oh times God. stronger than heroin, and 500 milligrams. They were given my mother 100 milligrams, and she was in a coma. That alone would have killed her. That we had her taken off of morphine and Ativan for over 24 hours, thinking that's what was causing her to be in the coma, not knowing that right. intentional was what it was, what, what it is. Yeah. Um, so she wasn't out of the coma, and they talked us into putting her back on morphine. See, look, she's in pain, and she's still lethargic, so it's not, you know, it's not the morphine. It, and we didn't know. And we did, they convinced us she, at that point, was in pain. But this doctor knew what he was doing, and his court, his case goes in spring of 2020 for that. But they fired 23 nurses, pharmacists, and managers, but they're not being prosecuted.
1: Oh, Oh, but but well. this
0: guy knew what he was doing, and he's got an attorney that's going to fight for him and is going to say he was just trying to help his patients. They were going to die anyway, and he was trying to help them be from keep them out of pain. No, he right. wasn't. For whatever reason, he's as sick as the people that put Clorox in a needle and inject you know, patients and kill patients that way, which, by the yes. way, that has happened too. So these yes. are not conspiracies. These are actual cases, and Mm -hmm. and they're tremendous in the numbers of people they're killing, and these are only the ones that have been reported. And if someone's listening, the case um, has added to a roster of nearly 150 medical providers that have been accused of killing or assaulting multiple patients since 1970. Only 30 have been convicted in the United States. And, again... Those are the ones that they actually go after. How about my mom? How about Lisa's dad? How about Liz's husband, Jackie's husband, Uh, Terry's husband? I mean, how about all these people that lost loved ones, Patricia's dad? I mean, all of those people, they tried reporting it, and nobody would listen, just like, your email it's a conspiracy it's not a conspiracy we watched our loved ones die horribly we have the medical records we've reviewed them there are other groups of people out there that also know hospice patients alliance Mm -hmm. they've been reporting it since 1998 this is happening and if people do (laughs) not wake up and see what is going on it will happen to you or your loved one
1: exactly
0: About my loved one and my friends, and and I tell anybody I have the opportunity. I tell strangers all the time. I see them at doctor's offices. I see them at, you know, drugstores, grocery stores, walking around my neighborhood, at my church. If I have the opportunity, I take time to spend to tell somebody, not because it does anything for me other than me warning somebody else.
1: That's it. And you well, you know, and the thing is, Marcia, um, you, you, what you do, you do out of care and concern and compassion and just knowing that this is such an egregious thing to have happening. And I, I get really tired of people saying, well, well, you know, it was their time to go anyway. And, well, you know, it's all in God's hands. No, it's not. It's in the hands mm-hmm. of those nurses and those doctors. That's who's dictating who's going to live and who's going to die. And this is – you know why I say people become angry, and as far as being called – I've got several emails here saying we sound like conspiracy theorists. A conspiracy theorist – I don't either. A conspiracy theorist, the word theorist makes the assumption that I am talking about something that is conspiratorial. There is a conspiracy to get rid of of as many elderly people or terminally ill people as quickly as possible. Yes, there is. But it is not a theory. A theory uh, is an assumption that we think something's happening, but we can't prove it. We don't have any proof. We are buried in mountains of documentation.
0: Absolutely. This
1: is not a theory. This is a fact. We don't have to right. make things up or make baseless assumptions. We have the documents.
0: Why would we? Yeah. Why would you go on air? Why would I go on air? Why would I do the research that I do and, and just climb through you know the Internet and spend hours and hours and talking to people who have been through this and who are just devastated by watching their loved one die? I mean, they're right. just horrible horrified by it and i mean it is gut-wrenching and they have dreams i have dreams yeah nightmares why would we go through that i mean because we get a kick out of it because yeah. we get a paycheck for coming on air not i mean what not. would be the purpose <laughs> not right. what would be the purpose of us bringing all this up For notoriety, uh, for attention, exactly what? I can assure you I could spend a whole lot more time working on my house, in my yard, doing fun things than spending the time that I do spend doing the research that I do, and it is gut-wrenching. And and I kind of find somebody calling me a conspiracy theorist theorist, uh, very rude and insensitive, I know what well, I went
1: through. It, it is. It. This was a term coined by the CIA to marginalize and discredit people who were um, revealing things the government did not want you to know. It was a way to uh, diminish them and uh, mm-hmm. to mock them and make fun of them. So you're simply playing into the game. It was like the people that screamed fake news. Everything was fake news. I don't care what it was. That's fake news. Fake news. Um That backfired on mainstream media really bad when it became apparent they are the purveyors of fake news. So you don't Mm -hmm. see so much of the, oh, that's fake news stuff anymore. Uh, Thank Mm -hmm. God. I I get so tired of that stuff. But uh, that's exactly right. You know, and then, the thing is I've been involved in something all of my life. I've always been active in something. I never thought I would see the day that we would be discussing what we're discussing. That mm-hmm. this could ever be possible in this country of all countries, that it would be possible. But I work with those people from Australia, and they are doing the same thing there. Only it's far more insidious and lethal. It's called quality aged care over there, but it's hospice, and it, it's a short trip. Don't don't pack too heavy because you're not going to be there long. Well, um, Canada. It,
0: yeah, Canada, Canada has too has legalized euthanasia. and Yes, even the, for children. The, right, and even... the term stealth euthanasia, again, means it's done right in front of your face under the guise of palliative care. Yes, they know what they're think, doing and we know. And yep. why main media the the thing is occasionally you'll hear, you know, Tucker Carlson or somebody come on air and say just a few words about it, but they'll never go into depth. The Washington nope. Post had about 6 or 7 different articles on it over a period of months and they spelled it out. Interestingly enough, that reporter no longer is there. Why?
1: Because Darn. people
0: do not want you to tell about what is going on. They want to keep it undercover. And I don't know if those people are nurses that, you know, Mm -hmm. hospice nurses and they want to believe that they're not doing that. Um, But the public needs to know about this. And, you know, I know we have, you know, one of our followers on our Facebook group, Murdered by Hospice, that has banners out in her front yard. And she talks about it and of course she's been threatened. I, I worry about her safety often. But she talks about it and she's not gonna be quiet because her dad was murdered, she saw it and mm-hmm. she's just devastated by it and she you know, she wants justice. Now whether or not we'll get any justice is beyond me. Right. But we're not gonna quit talking about it
1: and we're right. not gonna
0: let people Continue to do it without trying to warn people that it's happening, so they can try to save their loved ones.
1: Right. I think
0: in in your interviews, I'm going to save my loved ones.
1: Yes. I'm sorry. In all the interviews you've done, and I think it was maybe the third or fourth show in, the lady I I cried listening to this woman talk about what had happened to her husband, and she made a remark that absolutely has hung with me. They were killing him right in front of me, and I didn't know that that's what they were doing till it was over. Mm-hmm. And I have to live with that every day. They did it right in front of me.
0: Well, and, and in in that case, and, and it was Jackie, but in that particular case, they were making her give him the drugs. Yes. And they were saying, well, you know, he's in pain, and you need to do this, because they had given her a comfort pack a kit in a refrigerator and she was doing it because she thought that's what she should do. And she tried to have him hospice revoked, took him to the emergency room and they had said that he was overdosing and they didn't do anything about it. And she tried revoking hospice and it didn't work. Yeah. And at that point, I think, you know, he he was pretty far gone, but yes, people are devastated by what, what happened in trying to save their loved ones it's well it's horrible. That's just it.
1: and they trust these people we've grown up being told we can trust these people and there was a time when I was younger I believe you could but that has all changed we cannot trust anyone at the hospital at the doctor's office um, and I want to say something again to people when you <coughs> Enter the hospital like for admissions or you go to your doctor's office and they want you to sign that little electronic box out there saying you agree to allow them to treat you. Tell them to print off that doc because they always have the monitor screen faced away from you so you can't see it. Print that off and so I can read it. Well, it's just a standard form. Well, good. There should be no problem then. Print me one off. I'll sign it in hard copy. Well, you need to just sign it and print one off. What you need to look for in there is the word biologics. And if it says you agreed to the use of biologics, we do not vaccinate. Um, cross that word out uh, and put, no, I do not agree to biologics. Biologics can be the administration of multiple vaccines that maybe you don't want. In my case, no, I do not. To the use of experimental blood, blood um Uh, work uh, it can it can be any number of things that you don't want to be a part of and so you need to to make sure you read that document and you don't sign something sign away your rights or expose yourself the same thing when you go in the hospital they will ask you the same thing just sign as a standard form for admission we'll print it off and i'll sign it well, it's just a standard form. Well, then there should be no problem. Print it off. I'll
0: sign it. Well, that's the kind of the you... same thing with the HIPAA. Yes. You know, the HIPAA is not meant for us. That's not something that's good for us. That's something that's for them. And you don't have to sign it. They can refuse to treat you, but you do not have to sign the HIPAA because that's just giving them the information. You know, They can give your information to anybody. Are you still
1: there? Yeah. HIPAA is not about protecting your privacy. It is about protecting the facility, the physician, and anybody else associated from liability. Um, They – that, that is all HIPAA is about. Your privacy has never been an issue or a question because they will sell the information out of your file to any insurance company, any potential employer. Um, if you're going to be entering college or university, most especially universities, they want your medical file. They will sell that information to anybody who wants it. If you are guardianized, you have become a ward of the state, you effectively just suffered a civil death. Your identity is now assumed by the guardian. So whose who's medical file is being protected here? If anyone's, it's this guardian who now says they are you, and you can't and you see the file. And you don't
0: necessarily – you don't want people to know what kind of medications you're on because then they may decide that, you know, you're futile. And, right. you know, if you're on blood pressure or um, – You were talking about early cholesterol or, you know, for kidney or what. You know, when you're on medications like that, I'm sorry, but you do get marked because you are going to cost the government more money than somebody who isn't. It it just is.
1: Because these medications cause more problems. Uh, That is the biggest problem that that one uh, pharmaceutical executive just came out and had gotten really angry in some interview, and he said, we're not here to cure people. We're here to make profits. And if that wasn't a stellar statement of what these people are actually about, they don't care what this stuff does to you. It's sales. Um, these statin drugs. Statin right. drugs, the reason they increase heart attack and stroke is they deplete the magnesium from your system. Your heart, when they talk about electrolytes, they are talking about mostly magnesium. If your heart does not have enough magnesium, it can't beat So what do these drugs do? They deplete the magnesium in your system. They bind to the calcium in your bones, and they're excreted out of the body. So you've reduced calcium, potassium, and magnesium. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm a doctor. This is all readily available from the manufacturers themselves. And there's a book out called – Yes, and there's a book Mm -hmm. out called um, Statin Drugs, How They Kill You One Cell at a Time. And it is written by two doctors, and they deplete. And what happens is when your heart can't beat, what happens? You have a heart attack. And uh, Dr. Uh, Gifford, who was the head of psychiatry for the Air Force for many years, said in an interview here several years ago with me, many people who come into the emergency room in the throes of a heart attack could have that reversed immediately with an infusion of magnesium, but they won't give it to them. There's no money in that. He said and they'll let these people go ahead and have the heart attack and then put them on all these drugs when all they actually needed was magnesium. And so this thing about keeping your electrolytes up, this, this is directly related to your heart. But what do statins do? It depletes the magnesium from your system. But they didn't tell anybody. So what they found was, and it is the most profitable drug ever put on the market. 54 billion and, and it's billion. the one most used. It, yes. It's the
0: one that is most used.
1: Yes, also. And yeah. Yes, and they know that it causes heart attacks and strokes over this depletion of magnesium and other elements, but mostly the magnesium, and yet they push them on every damn especially elderly person, they can get well they were old. Well, you should have expected this. No, I don't should have expected that. You know, uh, well, you I say, do Marcia. believe. I do
0: believe that um, uh, my dad will be ninety-two next month, and mm-hmm. he's doing great. He's, you know, and he's he's full of all of his faculties, and you know, he's very alert. And he he used to be the chaplain where my mom was murdered, but he he stays here with me. And I forgot what my point was. Somebody better put me away. I'll remember it in a minute. <laughs> goodness i don't know it's gone neither okay he's i mean on the medications that he's on and you know i'm not going to put him on other medications and he's doing very well but and i'm not going to take all those drugs but i know what i was going to say but he'll be 92 and my mom was 87 i don't believe that we will live that long I seriously do not believe that I don't people either. in today, you know, there aren't, my dad's a World War II vet, and I don't right. believe there are many of them left. I don't believe a lot of people care. I believe a lot of people do care. I think it's, you yep. know, both sides of it. But I don't believe we will live to be in our 90s, in our late 80s, because I think they will make sure that we don't.
1: Exactly. They don't want us you know, to.
0: Um, they don't want we're, us to. We're,
1: we're no longer a saleable product. So, as right. far as the government well, we're is concerned. not
0: giving to society. I mean, I, I'm not costing any money. Fortunately, I'm very healthy. But,
1: mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm.
0: I'm not costing them anything.
1: Well, then, you one know, day I will. that's like with me at my age. When I look at other people my age, and they're always talking about how bad they feel. You know, they just tell you, you know, oh, they just feel... Uh, and, and my doctor put me on it How many medications are you taking Well I take 6 in the morning And 6 more in the afternoon And it Well gee I wonder why you don't feel good
0: mm-hmm.
1: Look at what you're putting in your body Yeah Well right. my doctor said I have to take it No you don't have to take that I don't say anything more than that um, You know if you want to chunk those pills You go right ahead on uh, But I, I just Will not take medications um, the the side effects, and they advertise them that this can cause heart attacks, strokes, severe diarrhea, flu-like symptoms, vomiting, um, disorientation, suicidal, t- suicidal, homicidal thoughts, you know, uh-huh. uh, and it might be fatal, and don't take it if you're allergic to any of the ingredients, we're not going to tell you what the ingredients are, but don't take it if you, uh, but this can kill you, no, I'm not taking right. that. No. Well, and that's me
0: I I mean, I I take my vitamins But um, Mm. I know we only have a couple of minutes I wanted to go over a couple of um, websites real quickly here In case we have listeners that are interested in doing research There are organizations out there um, Like the talk show that we're doing here That are very supportive And that is www.hospicepatients.org and another one is HALOrganization.com. That's the um, Healthcare Advocacy and Leadership Organization. They are looking for volunteers to help them man a 24-hour hotline. So they, both of these places, you can call and you can volunteer. There are things that you can help them do. LifeLegalDefenseFoundation.org. Um, If your loved one is put into a hospice or nursing home facility and you're trying to get them out, these legal people can help you, tell you what you need to do. Very important. LifeGuardianFoundation.org. That's the one that we told you about with the driver's license and no organ donor. And it also talks about brain dead and the apnea test. Um, www, the number four, and then the words F A T E dot org, which is Foundation Aiding the Elderly. They can also help if you're in a bad situation. W W Choice C H O I C E Illusion Altogether. I L L U S I O N dot org. And they are opposed to assisted suicide and euthanasia. Then there is w dot epcc.ca that is euthanasia prevention coalition um aapsonline.org is the association of american physicians and surgeons there is another one um www.cal life advocates all one word, .org, California Right to Life. There is, um, if you want to find out more about the 10-day law in Texas, www.texasrighttolife.com. And that we didn't go over, but there is a 10-day law in Texas. Marty, you want to cover that for a sec?
1: Yes. If you go into, and we're out of time here, but if you go into a Texas hospital, They At the end of 10 days, they can determine that the costs are too much, and you aren't worth saving. They can pull the plug on you, and it doesn't make any difference what age you are. If there is available care that would remedy your situation, if at 10 days you look like you're going to cost too much, you're gone.
0: Um, And on Marty's radio show, um, my email is there. If you go, you can re-listen to this again. If you miss some of the sites, if you want me to send you a list. My email is on there, and I will be happy to send you this list. If you want to tell your story, I'd be happy for you to tell your story. Um, and, yeah, this is no conspiracy. But thank you for all of the listeners that listened today. I hope you got something out of it. And, Marty, thank you so much for co-hosting me oh, tonight. It was, so it
1: was, it was fun. Great. All okay. right.
0: Thank you very okay. much, and uh, we'll see you in uh, two weeks.
1: All right, thank everyone. Thank you, everybody. Good have night. a
0: Good night. Okay, bye-bye.